All right, good morning. I had to move some furniture around. Well, it gets in the way. Awesome singing this morning. Those are some really awesome songs. Had a wonderful week this week and some really cool experiences. And I'm going to share one of them with you real quickly. And uh, for some of your seniors that are in the sanctuary today and, and attend Harmony Christian School, we, we talked a little bit about this this week. And it's awesome. Sometimes things kind of bleed into the other. And we talked about conformity in one of our Bible classes. And um, man, it, it's amazing how the world preaches its own gospel. And what amazes me sometimes even more is, is how we have completely tuned it out and how conformed we've become in almost all of our lives to, to many different things. And uh, we, we talked a little bit about it, and, and it made me think about all the things that we see on TV or hear on the radio and, and, and how that impacts our lives. And they're real little tiny things, but really it is a symptom of a much bigger problem. And one of the things we said in class is it just out of the blue, I went, ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And everybody's like, in your head, you're like, I'm loving it. And you're like, yeah, all right. So when we hear that, we know, like, I'm loving it. Yankee fans that are in here, I'm not talking about the game, but everybody knows the PC Richardson Sons whistle, right? And if you listen to the broadcast, you hear the whistle, and then Michael K goes, PC Richardson Sons, if you need a camera, if you need a phone, all these things. We, we've almost become like Pavlov's dog, pa- Pavlov. We, we hear these things, and they put these thoughts in our head, and they, they make us think about certain things. And, and I shared um, an instance with the seniors about this. And um, my wife, was it Father's Day? She went to Alta. Yeah, for Father's Day. No, but she went in to get me cologne, and I was, like, super stoked about it. And she comes out with this little box, and I'm like, well, what'd you get? And she goes... I, it's um, it's a new cologne, and I was like, okay, cool. And it's called Savage by Christian Dior. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm like, that smells pretty good, right? And we were like, kind of joking about it. And I said, well, what made you pick it up? She's like, I don't know. Johnny Depp was on the box or something. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. So I kind of smell like a pirate, and I'm wearing it today. So if you want to come check it out after church, you can shake my hand. And take a deep breath. But the funny thing is, is a couple days later, a couple weeks go by, and I'm watching TV, and Johnny Depp comes on. It's a black and white commercial, and he's like, he's in Vegas, and he's like, I gotta get out of here. And he gets in his car, and there's like this really crazy music playing, and he's driving, and all of a sudden, this buffalo comes running down the highway. All right. And then he like walks off into the middle of the desert with a shovel and he digs a hole and he's taking off all his jewelry and he's throwing it in the hole and he covers it up and he's like, something's more, something's different. And it's all like, this is awesome. And he's like, Savage, Christian Dior. I'm like, I got to smell like that. Like that's what I smell like. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it means, but that's what I smell like. So it's pretty awesome. I like it. It's smaller, right? A lot of times when we think about conformity, we, we kind of associate it with, with negativity. We gotta follow the rules, we gotta we gotta listen to what we're told, we gotta do what something else is forcing us to do. Well this morning I wanna take a, a different look at conformity. And and the title of today's message is Conformity through Transformation. And we're gonna spend a little bit of time in the book of Romans today 
We're going to look at two verses. That's it, I promise. Well, some other ones, but that's going to be our primary text this morning. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me as uh, we get into the Word today. Lord God, I love you, Lord, and, and thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. And uh, Lord, the blessings that you've poured out on, on not just us, but our church and, and the people in this church. And Lord, I just pray as we get into your word that you would uh, just allow me to speak clearly, that it would be your words this morning. And Lord, that you would uh, just work in our hearts and in our lives as, as we look at what Paul teaches and how we can be conformed to you and how we can transform our mind. And Lord, just exactly what that means. And, and thank you for being an awesome God. And Lord, thank you that we can have a relationship with you. Lord, thank you for the God that you are. We ask these things in your name and give thanks. Amen. So all over society, I mean, we see it everywhere. It's not a secret. It's nothing new. There's really nothing new that happens. It's everywhere. Conformity is everywhere. We're, 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 we're trained on a social level to accept certain things, to think certain ways, to, to behave certain ways. And it's in our schools. It's in our homes. It's in the media. It's everywhere. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not speaking about anything specifically. We're actually going to look at that a little bit today. But we do. We, we, we live in a society that preaches its own gospel. We, we do live in a society that is really in opposite of what the Bible says. It's in opposite of what the Bible teaches. It, it's really everything that we stand for, they look at and go, man, that's not acceptable. But just about everything else is. And Paul talks a little bit about that here in, in the book of Romans. And we're going to look at chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 this morning. And Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If you've looked in your bulletin today, there's like five points or so with a bunch of little spaces for notes. I'm going to try to move quickly and try to stay off of the rabbit trails because uh, kickoff starts in like two hours. So I don't want to use up all the time. You know, I want to get home and hang out and rest. I, I do want to say a special thanks to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lucas. Thank you for letting us hang out at your house last night and play in the pool and, and light things on fire. We had a great time. And if, um, hey, pay, just like, you know, stay tuned for some more stuff we got coming up. So, uh, yeah, we had a great time. But Paul here is talking to the Roman church, and he writes this letter to, to, the, to the church in Rome before he has a chance to visit it. And, and I'll save you all the history stuff, but like the first half of Romans, Paul is talking specifically about doctrine and how, how Israel is going to be treated and how it's going to turn around. And then he gets to this point where he starts talking about how now the, the, the Gentiles have a relationship with Christ and what that means. And he gets to this point where he says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren... This is a little different. In some spots, there's a direct, heavy command. And this isn't a command. This is Paul kind of pouring his heart out, saying, Listen, I urge you. I, I am pleading with you. I am begging with you. I urge you, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, sometimes when we think about sacrifice, what we think about is, what am I giving up? What, what, am, I, what am I trading in? This isn't the type of sacrifice that Paul is talking about. And if you know the Old Testament, the Old Testament required a blood sacrifice to atone for sin. 
to, to reestablish the relationship between man and God, something had to die. Something had to have its blood shed. There were very specific standards that it required. It required a nourishment. In most situations, the lamb, they would keep it in their house and they would take care of it. They would treat it as their own pet. They would feed it. They would bathe it. They would nourish it. They would keep it pure. They would inspect it. It was, it was set apart from the rest of the livestock. And then at some point, the sacrifice came after they treated this thing like family and it was like a little pet. Imagine, you all have pets, right? Well, not all of you. Maybe some of you. I have a pet. I have a cat. And if I was asked to sacrifice it, oh man, that would be awesome. But, but this is different. This is like that pet. This is like your fur baby. And this is what they had to sacrifice. Why? Because they had to give something up. And this is what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about living your life in a way that is pure. In a way that is spiritually nourished. That is spiritually set apart and kept clean. That's inspected. That's tried. That's proven to maintain a specific standard. That's acceptable to God. And we, we know the passages of Scripture that you know, God looks down and when He sees us and we're in right fellowship with Him, oh, it smells good to Him, it looks good to Him, it's acceptable to Him. And so many times as we get into the, to, to verse 2, we look at it and we try to figure out, man, why isn't God working in my life? Why, why can't I hear Him? Why isn't He answering my prayers? What's going on? He's so far away and God's like... But I've asked you, and and Paul has told you, and your pastor has told you, and your parents have told you, and your Sunday school teachers have told you, and if you listen to the radio, the preachers on the radio have told you, live in a way that's going to honor me. That's acceptable. That's pure. Why? 1 Peter 1, verse 6, it says, Be holy, for I'm holy. And and in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says again, walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling. This isn't a new theme. This is a theme that's carried out from the Old Testament into the New Testament. It's the same theme that Christ preached when he stood and he looked out to the masses and he said, follow me, serve me, be a servant, be different, come apart. I'm calling you out. It's not new. It's not different. But Paul says it's reasonable. That's the second point of this. It's, it's our reasonable service. If you have a King James, it's our reasonable service. If you're looking at the, the New American Standard, it's our spiritual service of worship. Man, so many times we think we just come in here and we kick on the lights and mic plays and we sing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus," and we sit down like, "I'm done with my worship for the day." This is the. This is what it says. Your lifestyle is a form of worship of your God. Wow. Hey, think about that. What's your God? Is, is, is God your God? Or is it your car? Is it your job? Is it your career? Is it your family? What's our lifestyle worship like? Where do we fall short? And Paul says this is how it all ties in. Our living sacrifice. It's reasonable. It's our spiritual service of worship. Our lifestyle is worship of a God. Is it the God who created you? Or is it the God you created? That's where the, the, the rubber meets the road here. 
Where's our worship going towards? If our reasonable service, our spiritual service, at the very least, this is, this is the proper requested course of our lives. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. We've been purchased. Do you know what the problem with free is? I see some quizzical looks. Sometimes the problem with free, we think it's not worth anything. It's just free? I got a free fridge at home. What's wrong with it? Nothing. It's free. Well, what, what, does it work? Well, yeah, it works. It's just free. Do you want a fridge or not? I don't know. It's free, you know. All right, it's 20 bucks. 20 bucks? All right, that's a good deal. You know, we have, we have taken grace, and we have taken our relationship with God, and we have stamped it with this is free. And it absolutely is. But you know what? Even though it's free to us, it came at an incredible cost. An incredible cost. The shed blood of Christ. Not just the shed blood. The pain. The suffering. The agony. Have you seen the passion of the Christ? Um, we watch it in one of our classes here. And we don't watch the whole thing. We just, when we get to the crucifixion and, and we watch that and and people are like, man, Mr. Strait, this is so, like, it, it's, it's gratuitous. It, it's violent. It, it's just, you're just showing it, just strike an emotional chord with us. And in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. Because, you know, this is a, a Hollywood rendition of, of what took place. But you know what? From what I read, that's not even close to what Christ went through. I mean, we're talking about a man that, that was beat, that was, that was ridiculed. I mean, beat to the point beyond recognition. By his own family. I mean, this isn't a free grace. It's not a free gospel. It's not a free relationship. Somebody gave something for it. And Paul says, treat it that way. This is worth something. This has value. For everything that Christ went through from start to finish, this has value. And it's reasonable for you to take that name of Christ and to actually honor it, and to live in a way that worships this man that came to earth to die for us. And we go, yeah, well, that's, that's good for you. That's, that's, that's good. You, you know, you're the youth pastor. You're supposed to think those things. But listen, I, this is what the Bible says. If you are sitting here this morning, and you fall under that umbrella of Christ, Paul is saying to you, you need to live in a manner where your lifestyle activity worships and honors God. At the very least, because of what he did, it's reasonable. We are called to be separate. We're called to, to live a holy life. Again, Peter says it. Be holy, for I'm holy. If you have a New American Standard... Those words are in capital letters because Peter's quoting Old Testament. Again, this isn't a new theme. This isn't something, hey guys, we just got this great idea. What if we tell everybody to, no. It's the same message that the children of Israel got. You know, it's the same message that the people of Nineveh got. And it's the same message that the people in Sodom and Gomorrah got. The only difference is, is for a little while, maybe they lived it, but then they said, you know what, it's just not for me anymore. It just doesn't make sense. It's just not worth it. I'm giving in to the world. 
I'm giving in to those desires and I'm giving in to those things that hold me back, that tie me down, that are a weight cast around me, that keep me from moving forward. I'm giving in. Man, we're cruising this morning. It's going to be awesome. be out of here before 11 o'clock. Wow. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Uh, one of the cool things we did in class this week, and I should have loaded it up to, to let you guys see it. There was a video floating around Facebook, and Rachel and Jimmy will probably remember it. And uh, it, was, it was like a conformity test. They had, uh, and you shout out, you can YouTube it, you can check it out. And what happens is, is there's this waiting room full of people. They're there to see an eye doctor. And this woman comes in, and she checks in for her appointment, and she sits down. And there's, what, eight or nine people in the room? And you hear this buzz, bing, and everybody stands up. They didn't say anything. They just stand up, and then they sit back down. And like a minute or two later, you hear the bell, bing, and then everybody stands up. Didn't say anything, and then everybody sits down. This girl's like, what, what's going on? And then it happens again, and finally she just stands up. And then she sits back down. And it goes on a couple of times, and they say, well, what's going to happen if, if we start removing people from this equation? So one by one, they pull them in to the, see the doctor to get them out of the, out of the scene or whatever. And every time the, the, the bell goes off, the girl stands up. She's the only one in the waiting room. And the bell goes off, and guess what? She stands up. And they say, well, what's going to happen now? Everybody's gone. She's the only one left. Nobody's told her why they do it. Nobody's told them what the reason is, why it's for. Do you have to do it? She just understands this is normal behavior. This is just what you're supposed to do. So they say, well, let's introduce some new people to it. And you're probably thinking, what's going to happen? Because I was like, no, there's no way this is going to happen. They do. They refill one by one. They refill the waiting room. And sure enough, the bell goes off, and she stands up. And the guy's like, what She's like, I don't know. That's just what we do. And one by one, they start standing with her. It's a completely new group of people. Listen, that's conformity. That's how sin works. It's one by one, we start to say, hey, this little bit is acceptable. This is okay. Take another step. Look how far I've gotten. It's really not that dangerous. Everything's fine. I haven't been punished. God's not watching. And then we go, wait a minute. This doesn't look right. And we turn around and we've moved so far away from God that we've been conformed to what the world wants us to be. And that's what Paul's warning is here. Paul's warning is if, if, if you put two and two together and, and you have this lifestyle that's going to reflect worship of God, then when, when, when the things pop up that are going to try to push us back into that world mold, we're going to realize it. And Paul says in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And you know, and so many times we hear, don't be conformed to the world, don't be conformed to the world, don't be conformed to the world. You know, I, I, I have friends, and it gets me fired up sometimes. I've got to be careful because I, I don't like to get into too many social media debates. Occasionally, I bite the hook, and then I have to I get yelled at later. But a friend of mine posted a, a meme. If you don't know what a meme is, it's a picture with words on it that makes jokes of things or makes a very pointed statement about something. And um, it was a, uh, 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 a stage with low lights and some fog, and it said, be not conformed to this world. 
And basically, the point of it was the world has infiltrated the church. I want to tell you something this morning. If your mindset is worldliness is a specific sin, if worldliness is is tangible, it's touchable, I'm sorry, you're wrong. The Bible teaches so many things about what worldliness is. And we think, well, we're worldly if we have this. We're worldly if we do that. We're worldly if you wear this. You're worldly if you listen to that. That's not what Paul says. That's not what John says. As a matter of fact, and oops, I needed that. My kids were playing my Bible, man. My notes were all like flipped around. and It's like, man, you're, you're going to make it real difficult today. Romans chapter 14, it says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. See, that's why I'm not a vegan. No, I'm kidding. Listen, I'm kidding. I'm not judging. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. Who are we to judge? The servant of another. Man. You know what? Side note, as we jump off on a little bunny trail, if we could only take that verse, who are we to judge another man's servant? Are you the servant of God today? It's not my business to judge you, folks. I'm just going to leave it there. To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, one regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. Now, I'm just going to shrink down real quick to uh, uh, one last verse in this chapter. Verse 17. And this is where Paul says, look, if you think worldliness is something you can touch, this is what he says. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not tangible. It's not what we eat. It's not what we drink. Okay, so if this is not what worldliness is, what is it? If, if, if we're not to be conformed to this world of what we touch and what we eat and what we do, what exactly is it? Well, if you flip over if you want, I have it already printed out because I knew that was going to happen. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. John writes, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... And the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God live forever. Hey, listen, this is what worldliness is. Worldliness is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is an attitude. It is a heart condition. It is not what I wear. It is not what I listen to. It's my reasons behind it. And listen, if my reasonable service, if my spiritual service is to live in a way that's going to worship and honor God, and I'm not willing to do it because my attitude stinks, then I'm worldly. And if I'm getting in the way of someone else who's trying to serve God and who's trying to live for Him and he's a weaker person and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, look at this knucklehead, man. He has no idea what he's doing. Guess what? I'm worldly. 
because my attitude stinks, because I'm too caught up in the lust of the flesh, because I want those things that make my body feel good. Sexual sins, drugs, alcohol, physical pleasures, we know it. We don't have to spend an entire day banging on the door of what immorality is. We don't have to spend an entire day talking about what it looks like, what it smells like, what it feels like. We all know the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. It's the same thing. I see Joe has a great pumpkin, and man, I want it. I I really do. I'm not going to lie. That thing is awesome. You know, it's coveting. It's, it's, I'm not satisfied until I get the next best thing. I am a smartphone junkie. I, come on, folks, raise your hand. You know you're out there. And I was this close to getting the Note 7. And I love my note. I get a little pencil, and I take notes, and I draw a picture, and then I erase it with one click, and nobody knows. And I was like, oh, I can get this new phone. And then the batteries started exploding and stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't. But you know what? As soon as they said, Note 7, I was like, Google, what's this thing going to do for me? Oh, it's got the edge thing. Ah, it's got a better camera. I'm like, I need this. I I really don't. You know, my wife, I love her. And her attitude is, it's a phone, man. (laughs) Like, that's it. I said, she went for quite some time without a phone, and I'm like, I need a phone. I have to have it. I'm connected to my schedule, calendar, social media. I put my pic- the, the, the pictures of my kids on there. And she's like, I just want a phone that like, makes calls. I can send a text and maybe take a picture. I'm like, no, but you need this. So I'm not even going to know how to use it. I'll show you. Anybody want to guess where her phone is right now? Charging in the car. <laughs> Caitlin's like, I know. I try to text her. and they, Look, it... That's my vice. That's where I look at it, and I go, look, if there's something bigger and better out there, I want it. i, I got to have it. You know, I, I said a couple weeks back, we went to get a new car, and, man, I wanted the Nissan Rogue. I was like, this thing was sleek. It looks great. But what I needed was a Versa. <laughs> hey, easy, all right? <laughs> man, holy cow. But I love it. And you know what? It's dependable, and it gets me where I need to go. See, these are, these are attitudes of the world. These are the mindsets that keep us from where we need to be. And how about that last one? The pride of life. I know there's nobody in here that struggles with that. So we just, like, skip right over it. Nah, I'm lying. Listen, when our ego becomes our God, our spiritual service of worship to our God becomes It's about me. It's about what you think when you look at me. It's about what the world thinks when they look at me. And by the world, I mean everybody outside of these walls. It's about what my students think when they come in. I want my students to think I'm hip. I want them to think I'm cool. I want them to think I'm on fleek. Yeah, these guys are cringing up. They're like, oh, man, Mr. Straight. You didn't really say that. No, I did because, look, I want to be cool. I want to be relevant. And sometimes that starts to push God out and, and says, hey, listen, look, God, I know you're cool, but like, if they think I'm cool, then maybe they'll think you're cool. And God's like, well, that's not how I work. I'm God. I'm as cool as it's going to get. And if you want them to be cool, you know what? Set an example. 
that they can follow. You know, I, to me, the Christian faith and my walk, it is, it's vulnerable. It's delicate. It's difficult. There are so many things that go into it. I'm not a super Christian. I'm not this incredible spiritual giant who can stand up here and, and pound this and, and say, look, live like me. Listen, don't. I, I have, sometimes I get angry. Like real quick, man. It's like, like you strike that match. I get passionate. Maybe that, I'm, I'm passionate. That's what it is. I get angry, and I take it out on people I'm not supposed to. Why? Because my pride says, come on, you can't let them do that. And I come home from work, and I'm like, you're not going to believe what these students did today. They're like, it's a personal attack on me. It's not a personal attack on me. I, I, that's my thought. I'm boasting in my pride because my mindset and my heart says, I want them to worship me instead of worshiping the God who created them, the God who bled for them. The God who stands and restores and and, and protects us and loves us. Listen, this is worldliness. This is what keeps us from moving forward united for the kingdom. These are the things. Listen, now now there are tools to it, but, but these three things. This is worldliness. And this is what we conform our minds to. And we hear jingles and we think McDonald's. I wasn't planning on going to McDonald's yesterday. Jimmy, you still owe me 31 cents. But I drove by and I was like, man, you know what? I could really use a cheeseburger right now. And I went in and got a cheeseburger. I, I don't know. Our, our, our physical needs and our physical wants, they drive us. They conform us. What do they conform us to? What are they conforming you to? Why are they conforming us? And listen, this is, this is not... A new issue. I'll probably say that a hundred thousand million times. There is an example of this in the Bible. Does anybody know who Demas is? Demas is the guy that's mentioned about three times in the Bible. He's a companion of Paul. He's first mentioned in the book of Philemon as someone who's a dedicated worker. He's a co-laborer. He's with Paul. He's got his hands on the plow. He's got his sleeves rolled up. He's working for the kingdom. He's mentioned again in the book of Colossians. Same thing. Dedicated worker. Dedicated man. He's here to help us. He's mentioned in 2 Timothy. Demas deserted us because he loved the present world. How many times have I deserted because I love the present world? I can't get enough of it. Listen, it happens. It happens in all of our lives. So, being conformed to the world is a heart condition. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. It's a mindset that says my my wants and my needs are more important than what God has done for me and what I'm willing to do for Him. Does that make sense? All right. Transformation. Uh, the second part of <clears throat> that verse says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation here, transformation by renewal. Uh, this is simply the Greek word for metamorpho, which is what we get metamorphosis from, which if you teach science or you know science, it's when the ugly little caterpillar wraps himself up in a cocoon, and it comes out like this beautiful butterfly. 
And, and this is the same, the same mindset that, that we should have. We have this ugly sin condition that's wrapped up inside us, that's pulling us one way or another. And then we come and we have this face-to-face encounter with Christ and we trust Him and, and then we, we move forward in this relationship with Him and, and we repent and we believe and, and we are like, hey, I'm, I'm yours. And now we have this, this outward position that's supposed to reflect our inward change. We don't go through that whole stage. We're not willing to transform. We're not willing to move from caterpillar to butterfly. We want to stay somewhere in the middle. And Paul says, renew your mind. This is the transformation part. This is how we avoid being conditioned to follow the world. This is how we move away from those, those attitudes that, that pull our heart back, that, that fill our mind, that keep us from serving God. This is, this is what we do to get from A to B so that our spiritual worship is of God. So that our relationship is right, not just with God, but with our families and our friends and, and the world as a whole. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, Peter talks about, he says, hey, don't be conformed to your former lusts. Don't be conformed to those things that you looked at and, and were a part of your life and controlled you. Be conformed to Christ. Renew your mind. Paul echoes this again in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, paraphrasing. He says, renewed in mind and spirit, put on the new self. And I, I used this example before, coming into dinner, filthy and disgusting. Most of us, if you're married in here, if you tried to come to the dinner table like that, your wife is, or husband maybe even, if you're cleaning the garden, he's going to be like, hey, why don't you get cleaned up? I really want to eat this delicious steak, but I don't want to smell you. <laughs> Colossians 3.10 says, Put on the new self, being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created us. You know, Proverbs tells us to grow in understanding, growing in wisdom, growing in understanding, the, the, the new self, the image of Christ. That, I mean, that's, that's who made us, that's who molds us, that's who shapes us, that's who pushes us to be renewed in His image. Why? And I'm going to close real soon. I mean that too. So that... Uh, you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Two things. The will of God is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the first part of His will. And the second is, is following His will, His command as He directs. The first thing we have to do is we have to put off the old self. We have to move away. We have to realize that, hey, my spiritual service is to worship God with my lifestyle, and that includes every aspect of it. And now that my mind is renewed because I've put on this new self and I'm working diligently to keep it clean, and I'm trying to present myself this living sacrifice, I'm going to be able to understand where God is calling me, what He's calling me to do, how He's calling me to do it. Why? Because I'm in tune with Him. I know what's going on. And when I pray, there's nothing blocking it because my life is a sacrifice that's acceptable to Him. And I, I talk to young kids. I just wish I knew what God was trying to tell me. He's probably telling you to stop acting like a knucklehead and serve Him. How many adults? I just wish I could tune into what God's trying to tell me. Well, when was the last time you were in church? Eh, don't talk to me about that, man. I got my own church. I listened to it on the radio. Okay, but you're forgetting something. There's more to it than that. God's not answering my prayer. Well, what's your lifestyle like? 
Well, we don't have to go into that, man. It's personal. Don't judge me. All right, well, listen. I, what's God trying to tell you? I don't know. I can tell you what he tells me. And sometimes he says, hey, you're a hypocrite right now. He says, hey, you've got pride. Hey, you're, you're trying to satisfy your feelings. Hey, you want more than, than, than you really need. Follow me. Serve me. Just, just listen. We want our, our rewards for service to come now. I do. I'm not going to lie. That's what society has conditioned us for. If I pull into the drive-thru and you're in front of me, and you've got six people in your car, I'm, I'm living, man. I'm like, that's not what the drive throughs for. That's for me trying to get a milkshake, not feed my ten friends. Like, I, come on. Like, I, look, some of you are laughing, but I know most of you are like, yo, he's right. <laughs> Listen, it's real. It's vulnerable. It's delicate. It's difficult. Paul... Paul is setting this example. And you know, our example is going to set the tone for the generations that come up behind us. Not just generation, generations. Because what you're teaching your kids, hopefully they're going to teach their kids. Well, what are you teaching them? Paul tells the Corinthian church, follow me as I follow Christ. When was the last time we said in our church, hey, hey, follow me as I follow Christ? dads when was the last time we said to our families hey guys follow me as I follow Christ ladies when was the last time we looked at our kids and said hey follow me as I follow Christ when was the last time we we looked at our jobs and walked in there and said hey you guys might not understand this but I'm going to ask you to follow me as I follow Christ I'm going to set this example where my lifestyle is going to match up to the words that come out of my mouth and not what's floating around in my nasty heart my spiritual service of worship is going to be to the God that created me and not the God that I created. Are we willing to do it? On paper, it's easy. Within these four walls, man, it's a piece of cake. What happens when we leave here? It's up to you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again just to be here and to be a part of this uh, family and Lord, I pray that you would just continue to work in our lives. As, uh, Lord, we, we try to serve you the best we can. Lord, that our, our spiritual service of worship would be to the God that created us, the God that died for us, the God that, that gave up everything to have us back. Lord, that we would see that, that we would understand that. Lord, that we would, we would let that burn into our minds and into our hearts, that it would just purify us. That would push out those, 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 those feelings, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those things, those attitudes, those heart conditions that, that the world tells us, hey, this is where you live, this is what you want, this is what you need. Lord, we need you. Lord, we love you. Lord, I, I pray just to, uh, you pour out your, your, your mercy into us, that in your grace into us. Lord, that you would, you would search us that you would know our hearts, Lord, that, that you, would, you would tell us, Lord, see if there's a wicked thing in me. Lord, if, if we're willing to make that prayer, Lord, I pray that we would be willing to get that right when you reveal to us, hey, this needs to change. Thank you for being an awesome God. Bless this time as we commit it into your hands.
Amen. You're dismissed.